This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding where something unexpected happened. I've had so many weddings over the years. I've had so many unexpected things happen. I have lost count. But I do remember weddings. What what happened? I had a wedding, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, where the bride literally got so frustrated not being able to get the ring on the groom's finger during the ring ceremony that she just cussed out loud into the microphone, you know, right in front of me. And it was a Kodak moment. You know, what do you, what do you do? What do you say? And I picture them on their 50th wedding anniversary saying, let's listen to the tape of our wedding cassette tape, because that's what we used back then. And I can hear her husband say, maybe we better not. Maybe we better not. So strange things happen about a wedding. You say, why are you talking about weddings, Randy? Well, for this reason. I've often been asked, have you ever wept at a wedding? Have you ever gotten emotional? And the honest answer is no, not even at my daughter's wedding. I was so focused on the wedding and what I was doing, I didn't. But I'll tell you when I have gotten emotional. Wedding vow renewals. Where couples after 40 or 50 years renew their wedding vows with one another, and I have gotten choked up at that because there's something powerfully emotional about a wedding vow renewal. I remember a couple in Columbus came up to me. I didn't even know them after a service and said, Randy, you don't know us, but would you renew our wedding vows when everyone leaves and we'll stand up here by the communion table and and we'd like to renew our wedding vows. I didn't ask any questions. They said, we've had some difficult two years and we need to renew our wedding vows. And I didn't pester them with questions. It's none of my business, but I, we re- renewed their vows and both of them wept openly as they said their vows to one another. And I got choked up and I didn't even know these people, but I was moved by wedding vow renewal. I tell you that because today in the book of Joshua, we're studying the passage of Scripture, get this, where the Israelites renew their covenant with the Lord because they had broken it. They broke it because a man in one man out of the entire half a million people stole things from the city of Jericho when it was taken and took a Babylonian robe. Babylonia is modern-day Iraq, took a, a robe from Iraq, stole money, gold, and silver. And the, the people of Israel were punished and paid a price because of one man in the country who violated the will and the Word of God by doing something he shouldn't have done. And it's a, really an amazing story. So when the next battle after Jericho happened was the Battle of Ai, just spelled just like it sounds, Ai. And they lost. They thought, oh, we can take this country. We only need two or 3,000 men. We'll send them into battle. We'll take care of it. It'll be over with. And they lost. Their hearts melted with fear in battle, and they ran. And a number of them were killed. And so the people came together between two mountains, 
It's a natural amphitheater between a mount called Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And it formed a valley that was like an amphitheater. And picture, believe it or not, hundreds of thousands of people gathering in this valley, and Joshua rededicates the country to serving the Lord. And that's what we're studying today, renewing the covenant that they had with the Lord so that the Lord would bless them. I want to suggest to you that there's somebody here today, I don't know who you are, but you may need to renew your covenant with the Lord personally. You know where you can do it? At home. On your knees, in front of your bed, you can go out into the garage, you can go into the family room, you can stand out in the backyard and say, Lord, I renew my covenant, my commitment to you. You say, is it valid? Well, of course it is. Anything you do with the Lord and for the Lord is valid. Remember that. Anything you do for the Lord and with the Lord is valid. So we're going to read the passage in Joshua 8. And this book of the Bible, I want to say this parenthetically, I told somebody this week, more than any other sermon series, the word continuity matters. In other words, it helps to have heard chapter 7 talked about, so when you talk about chapter 8, and next week when we get into chapter 9, it all works together like a TV series almost, and you need to have that continuity. We're in Joshua 8 today, the renewing of the covenant, beginning at verse 30. Joshua 8.30. I want to tell you why this message is so important. I'm going to share something today out of these verses I've never shared before, ever. I can't remember any church where I've talked about this. I can't remember any message I've given on the radio where I've talked about this. This is so unique, what I'm going to share today, but so powerful, I think, in terms of your life and my life. This is what's interesting to me. The people of God, when they re-consecrating and rededicating their lives to the Lord, didn't recommit to being moral people. They didn't say, now, we, we haven't been good, you know, just like a child would say, I haven't been a good boy or a good girl. That wasn't what they were doing. They didn't say, we need to be nicer to other people. They didn't say, we need to be more aware of what's going on around us with other people. What they recommitted to was not even being more religious. Did you catch what they committed to, in my opinion? When the Word of God was read, they answered every word with the word amen. When Joshua was reading the curses and the blessings, and you say, where do you find that? Deuteronomy 27 and 28. It'll blow your mind to read it this afternoon. Talks about sexual matters. You name it, it's covered in 27 and 28. Stuff you never knew was in the Bible. You read it this afternoon, 27 and 28 of the book of Deuteronomy. And the people would respond, amen. Amen, so be it. And here's what they committed to, the Word of God, as they knew it. What they committed to was the Word of God. What I want to suggest that comes out of that, maybe the most important thing that you could do in 2019, looking into 2020 in a couple months, Lord, I'm going to commit to your Word. I mean, let me tell you what people do with the Word of God. Sam Storms is from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He said there are four things that people do with the Word of God. I find this intriguing. He said some people trivialize the Word of God 
by denying its inspiration and rejecting its authority. They reduce it to a little more than a human collection of human ideas and human experience. Here's how it happens. You've had conversations like that. Oh, you know what the Bible says about that. And, and they wave their hands almost in a dismissive way. Doesn't mean anything. It's just in the Bible. You know all that Bible stuff. They're trivializing the Word of God. Taking something that's holy, something that's sacred, something that the Bible says is God-breathed, and they trivialize the Word of God by denying its inspiration and rejecting its authority. They reduce it to a little more than a human collection of human ideas and human experience. Here's how it happens. You've had conversations like that. Oh, you know what the Bible says about that. And, and they wave their hands almost in a dismissive way. Doesn't mean anything. It's just in the Bible. You know all that Bible stuff. They're trivializing the Word of God. Taking something that's holy, something that's sacred, something that the Bible says is God-breathed, and they trivialize the Word of God by denying its inspiration and rejecting its authority. Now, here's the personal question. You know in your heart of hearts, just as I know in my heart of hearts, the Scripture that you have trivialized in your life. You say, what do you mean by that? Something you have dismissed like this doesn't mean anything. It's just the Bible. Oh, it's just a passage that Randy talked about two weeks ago. It's just a passage that we read in our devotional book, in our little uh, daily devotional kind of thing, and we dismiss the Word of God. And I want to suggest that if you're a person who routinely dismisses the Word of God, you're in a heap of trouble. So am I. You're in a heap of trouble if you dismiss and you trivialize the Word of God. The Bible is not to be reduced to little more than a human collection of, of ideas and religious experience. Some people trivialize the Word of God. Secondly, he says, others don't trivialize God's Word, but they trifle with it. They trifle with it. These folks acknowledge that the Word is inspired, but they don't take it seriously, except on those occasions when it serves their interest. Have you ever used a, a scripture in an argument? And I'm, I'm amazed at how you can do this and I can do that. We use scripture to prove our point. We're having an argument with a son or daughter. We're having an argument with a brother or sister, an argument with a neighbor, and we use Scripture to prove a point as a proof text. We don't do it with any other Scripture, but we use that Scripture to prove our point. We're trifling with the Word of God. We pick and choose what suits our fancy and frequently avoid the difficult and demanding parts. You know, uh, men will oftentimes tell a wife, you know what the Bible says, you're to submit to me. Get your act together, woman, you know, and, and start falling in line. But you never hear that same husband say, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. What did he do for the church? He died for it. Not too many husbands want to do that, to lay down their life for their spouse. But boy, they can be big on, you better submit to me, sweetheart. That's what the Bible says, and we use the Word of God in that case. There are those who tamper with God's Word. That is to say, they labor to change it, to reshape it. 
to make it say what they want it to say. And, you know, I know you've heard this before, but there are things we say that aren't even in the Bible. And some of you, and I've done this, you know, what do we say? Cleanliness is next to godliness? It's not in the Bible. It's a nice thought, you know, it's good. And I'm serious, I'm asking, any any other scripture, David? Grin and bear it? Well, I didn't, I never even quoted that. You do all the time. You say the Bible says grin and bear it? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. But there are phrases we use that have a biblical ring, and then we quote it as if it's scripture. And so that is, or tampering with God's word. And then I love the fourth thing that Sam Storms said. He said, finally, there are those who tremble at God's word. And then I love the fourth thing that Sam Storms said. He said, finally, there are those who tremble at God's word. This is the person to whom I look with favor. It's the man or woman who's humble enough and contrite in spirit, who trembles at the word of God. We get excited by the word of God, but we tremble because we realize what it is. Here's the most important thing I think I'm going to say today. You've got to come to the place in your life where you make a decision about what the Bible means to you. It's either something that I sort of take, you know, sort of give it some serious consideration, but it doesn't impact my life. I don't take it that seriously. You come to the place in your life where you decide that the Bible is something that you do tremble at. Why? Because it's God's Word. It's not a magic saying. It's not a magical thinking kind of saying. It is what it claims to be, the Word of God. The person who trembles at God's Word is one who happily confesses that it's God's Word and is eager to obey it. The person who trembles at God's Word, he says, is the one who knows that his response or her response will either make or break his life in relationship to Christ. Listen carefully to something that maybe you've never heard before. You don't break the Word of God. It breaks you. It breaks me. You understand that? We don't, we don't break it and say, well, it, I took care of that. It, I broke the Word of God. I broke the law of God. It breaks us. It has an impact on us. Katie is from Hoffman Estates, Illinois. That's near Chicago, not far from where I grew up. She wrote this, I am 25 and 12 years ago, I found out I had systemic lupus erythematosus. I've had many experiences medically I would have rather postponed to a riper age. And others, much of the population, will be grateful not to experience. I lead an unpredictable life. My plans for school, for jobs, for fun, often get interrupted with bouts with this disease that thinks it knows better than what I should do with my time Yet I go about making my plans. A good thing, I suppose, I was born with a bit of a stubborn streak. The promise I cling to when all else fails is that God is the same each day, no matter how much I change or screw things up. My belief that God is faithful and never changes is what gets me out of bed each morning and puts me to sleep each night. God defines who I am. And I strive each day to begin with a fresh canvas so the picture of God's faithfulness 
I have seen can be reflected through my life. Where does she get an idea like that? Through the Word of God. You can develop such a relationship with God's Word that it impacts your social life, your dating life, your married life, your children, your relationship with everything. And you say, that's pretty heavy to think that. It is. And it's pretty powerful when when it happens in a positive way. God's not interested in controlling you like a robot. He's interested in controlling you with his word like a person who loves him with all his or her heart and all his or her mind and soul. He wants you to be a person who loves him and loves his word. Did you know the Bible says about itself, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's a nice poetic phrase, but let me tell you what it means. You see everything else in your life through the Word of God. And that's why when people never read it, they just see everything through their lenses, through their point of view, their politics, their particular views on life. I want to tell you about a doctor by the name of Alicia Canil. She teaches at the Pennsylvania School of Medicine. She's actually from Cuba. And she says, I believe listening is a powerful medicine. She says, studies have shown that it takes a physician about 18 seconds to interrupt a patient after they begin talking. That's an interesting, I've never heard that before. It takes a physician about 18 seconds to interrupt a patient after they begin talking. And something happened to her that changed the way she related to patients. She said, I was curt. I was quick. Let's get to the point. What's your problem? And now she's confined because of some illness that I don't know what it is to a wheelchair. So when she comes into the examination room to meet with a patient, she wheels in on a wheelchair and she said, I have a totally different attitude toward the patient. Why? Because I'm a patient in a wheelchair myself. And it's changed her perspective. And what you say, well, what's your point in telling that story? I'll tell you what will change your perspective on a lot of things in life is coming to be a student of the Word of God. The more you read the Bible, and the more you not only read it, but you absorb it, you internalize the Word of God. You don't memorize it, you internalize it. You make it a part of who you are. It will change the way you relate to your spouse. It will change the way you relate to your children. It will change the way you relate to your neighbors, co-workers. It will change everything because the Word of God has power. The Word of God has power. I was thinking about the power of God in people's lives. What does it do? I've heard people tell me that their marriage is better and stronger because of the Word of God being committed to in their marriage. I've heard parents say they get along with their grown children better because they've committed to the Word of God, not as some magic formula, but as a pattern for life and for living. You know who will convict you about the Word of God more than anywhere else? When a child comes to you, a son or daughter, a grandson or daughter, and they speak, they quote a verse of Scripture. And you know how they say it? Like they believe it. They quote it with an intensity of spirit. They actually believe this. Grandpa, I believe what the Bible says in this verse, and they're right. A child can oftentimes be the one 
to convict us about the power of God's Word. What do you need to do about the renewing the covenant in your life? I, I want to read verse 34 again. Afterwards, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it's written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the aliens who lived among them. The Word of God has power, and I'm asking you this question as I wrap it up. What do people see of the Word of God in your life and in mine? And I'm going to leave you with this. You know how you say, how do I renew the covenant? Every Sunday when you take communion, you renew the covenant. You just did it 20 minutes ago, 25 minutes ago, every Sunday when we partake of the bread and the cup, in a sense, we have an opportunity to renew the covenant. Some of you have never thought about it. It's a renewal of the covenant I have with Jesus Christ, sealed with his blood. And I do it every time I take the cup and every time I take the bread. I remember the covenant that I'm a part of. Jesus Christ gave his life for me. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.